Hello pals, I want to let you know about the Women Over 50 Film Festival which runs this year from the 26th to the 30th of September. It's coming up soon and all the films are available to be watched in that time for just £7.50. It's an online film festival and every film features a woman in front of or behind the camera in some way. So that's a woman in the main lead role or having written or directed the film. It's a fantastic opportunity for us to see the wealth of talent that's available in women over 50. Some may argue a forgotten demographic of our industry. This film festival celebrates those women and shows you that they have got stuff to say. I've been watching the progress of this festival over the last six years. I've not made it along in person yet, but I've had so much uh, insight into what's been happening and I've had a lot of tips on great work that I've seen uh, because of this festival, because of its existence. So I encourage you to spend your £7.50, I can't believe that's all it costs, to see all the films, 58 in total, from 37 countries, all made by women or about women over 50, and they're all screening from the 26th to the 30th of September. More information at woff.co.uk forward slash tickets. That's woff.co.uk slash tickets. All right. Here we go. Hello, hello and welcome to another episode of Putting It Together, 23rd of September and this is episode 170. Can you believe it? 170 episodes. Which means that, if nothing else, you can get into the archives and you can enjoy 169 other episodes uh, Anytime you want, whenever you want. Isn't that wonderful? Um, we've had guests from all uh, corners of the creative industries. Well, maybe not all corners, but that means we still have time, don't we? We've still got work to do. But anyway, just want to take a moment to say thank you very much for listening, uh, for contributing, for writing to me, and for for giving me suggestions for guests and for supporting and also for donating as well. And if you can spare a couple of quid and you'd like to keep this podcast going, then you just go to puttingittogethercast.com and click on the yellow donate button. Very simple. Remember, puttingittogethercast.com, yellow donate button. And uh, that's that. So, how are you? I hope you're hope you're doing okay. I guess we're going into another difficult time um, with... I don't know if you call it lockdowns, but um, restrictions, coronavirus restrictions. And um, it seems that we still have work to do. And I hope that you and yours are well and safe. Um, I mean, there must be people listening to this who have had, who've been affected adversely, you know, health-wise by the coronavirus. And also um, employment-wise. I mean, I got, suddenly today, I got... um, contacted by a, a debt recovery agency about something to do with HMRC. I had no idea. Of course, I'm just wandering along thinking, hey, they've cancelled everything or they've they've uh, deferred everything until next year. But um, apparently it wasn't quite that simple. So I had, that was an interesting uh, phone call to wake up to. But it's sorted, it's sorted. So yes, I think we've all been affected in many different ways. But I hope that, that health isn't one of them for you. And um, yeah, I just... I hope that you're you're coping, and I know some people are back at work. Um, even the creative industries, which is brilliant, um, but we're you know we're not we're a long way off yet. Um, I watched 
Faith Healer uh, from the old Vic the other day. Fantastic. I hope you got a chance to see it. I think they did five live performances, which are all broadcast on Zoom. Um, but they were completely live um, for each performance, which was amazing. And it was a beautiful experience. What a tremendous play. I had never seen it before. I'm, I'm, I'm not a big um, aficionado of Brian Friel's work, but um, also a fantastic cast. Beautiful. Just, yeah, everything. It was really well done. Um and it shows what we can do. I say we because I include myself in the in the team in the club. I didn't do anything in this case. I just watched. But you know, we, we're all in there somewhere. Um, and it shows what's possible. You know, I mean, there's a play that's that's separated into monologues, so the actors don't have to interact. And yet, through the text, the characters interact and their stories intermingle. And I think what was so beautiful about it, and if you know it, you'll understand this. But I can explain it anyway. Um, one monologue tells the story of all three of the people in the play. But then when we get to the next monologue, we hear a different version of the story. And we actually realise that everything we were led to believe in the first monologue might not actually be true. And then, of course, you hear the third monologue and you go, wait a minute, you know. So it, it, it sort of the story becomes richer and richer and more um, and deeper, I suppose, as it goes on. Um, so it was wonderful, beautiful performances and... Nice way to spend a Saturday afternoon, I thought. Um, I went for the matinee, you know, and it was cool. It was kind of like a matinee experience, just and then I'd relax and just, you know, take it in and then have dinner afterwards. And I don't know, it just reminded me of a time when you could go to a matinee. Um, I won't get too into the sadness, um, but, you know, there still is stuff happening, which is great. And apart from that... Um, as usual, not too much to report. I've been working in the studio. Um, I'm doing an album of, of Irish music, um, which is going to be coming out early next year. I mean, it's it's for Irish dancers to practice to, so you won't probably be lining up the, the streets to, to buy your copy. But um, it's certainly a project for me, and um, I've just been given the deadline for when it's coming out. So suddenly last night I sprung into action and started practicing it. And, um, it's all original, but I have to... like. I can write the material, but then I have to go back and learn how to play it. I don't know if you identify with that. Um, so last night I just sort of dug out some of the tunes and said, well, can I actually play any of these? And that's uh, that's the fun part now. So I'm working on that. And in the meantime, I'm just working on keeping the podcast going and, and keeping in touch with people so that I've got a guest for you every week. Um, so as usual, if you've got a suggestion for a guest, then just... Uh, I was going to say text me. I mean, you can do that if you've got my number. You can also get me on Instagram. It's pitccpod and the same on Twitter. And uh, I've also had a bit of success with a funny video on my personal Twitter, which is Brido Baggins. Um, if you haven't seen it yet, head on over there. I'm going to do some more soon. Um, it's basically just everybody's auntie. Um, or at least everybody that grew up in Scotland's auntie. So yes, that's where we're at. And, uh, and my guest today is the wonderful and hilarious Scott Mackey. Uh, we worked together once and remained good friends ever since. And um, it's a cool interview because I think, listening back to it, I get the, the distinct sense that it's kind of in two bits. or It goes between two main things. And one is quite a sort of a, a deep, serious conversation about art. And the other is a big old laugh Um and I feel like we've got quite a nice balance. We have such a laugh when we talk together. Um, and he's very funny. But he's also a very serious... Um, has a very serious approach to his work. And I think trying to have an episode where we get to see both of those sides um, is really good. 
Um, so that's, I enjoyed doing the interview. I've really enjoyed listening back to it and I hope you enjoy hearing it. Um, so that's about the size of it, yeah. Uh, the yawning, the yawning continues. Um, I don't know if, how much you can hear me trying to curb it, but <laughs> I've just kind of, I've almost given up worrying about it. Maybe that's the answer. It's definitely psychological. Anyway, if you've not been listening, um, the point is that I struggle when I sit in front of the mic on my own, not talking to a guest, not to yawn, which is um, weird. There it is again. Definitely, definitely psychological. Um, Maybe I'll get hypnosis. I don't know. Anyway, look, it's time to talk to Scott Mackey because he's here with me and we are putting it together. Alright, well this is it. Wow, are we in it? We're doing it. Has it begun? <laughs> yeah, oh I my, guess so. Oh my yeah. goodness. So, what's happened? Tell me about your life. Um, I never see you. I've not seen you for years, maybe. Probably. Probably. <laughs> a, a, a very long time. I'm okay, man. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. In fact, when it was probably a year ago. Was it around, it was around the festival, wasn't it? Oh, no. You, no, you that's saw, not true, because um, I came to see your play. I came to see the play, which was this year, which is bizarre. Gosh, it was, was it? February, yeah. Wow. It was just. Oh, that was before. so good. That play was so good. Hey, hey thanks, man. What's it called again? It, it's called Afters. That's right. Um, and uh, yeah, we were going to do it at the Fringe this year, at the Pleasance. I rang you about that. Oh, yeah. For advice, of which you had none. <laughs> well, thanks for reminding me. Um, <laughs> I was in London when you rang me with my broken collarbone. So you were. I never go anywhere without it. <laughs> um, so tell me a wee bit about afters, because I've just I want to relive it a wee bit as well. Um, Santino Smith, who uh, it was the second play that we wrote together, um, and it was a sort of farcical comedy about uh, my character had moved to London um, as I did uh, at quite a young mm-hmm. age um, to sort of pursue a career and a relationship and um, sort of becoming an adult and his best friend from childhood who Santino played um, stayed in in Paisley where they're from and uh, the play begins with them sort of having this mad after afters um, in London because Santino's character has come down to oh, yeah, uh, that's right, yeah. to see his friend who, who he hasn't seen in years so it was all about identity and um what did we say? It was. It's about growing up in today's world and whether or not you should. Um, <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, we did a little run in London and then a little run in Glasgow. And uh, we're going to do a run at the Pleasance uh, at the festival this year. But but instead, we've turned it into a sitcom. Have um, you? Called Crossing the Border. Oh, very good. Which is um, sort of takes the same characters, but... Um, tells the story of over a sort of a week um, where Santino's character has asked my character to be his best man at a Mm -hmm. wedding that's taking place in a week's time in Glasgow. So my character and his girlfriend have to sort of come up the road and um, and hilarity ensues, (laughs) right? Well, of course, that's the sitcom. As it often does, yeah. (laughs) Um, Up the road, of course, is only, only we say that. We, we say to people in London, I'm going up the road. What do you mean up the road? Yeah, well, we talked about Which road? Call, calling the show up the road. Right. But um, 
but a lot of people don't know. <laughs> they they would just think it's a show about someone who lives up the road from someone else. Um, yeah, that's true. Yeah, which is why we landed on crossing the border because it's also crossing up the road. The sounds like a, a neighborhood show, like yeah, you know, Sesame on the street, street kind of. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, up the road yeah. to Glasgow Sesame Street. Yeah, <laughs> teaching the kids. Um, the alphabet and stuff. Yeah, just some some person that lives in a bin in Paisley, <laughs> not a puppet. <laughs> no, no, no puppets, just people, just people <laughs> sat on bins. Um, a really tall guy, really. Are you Big Bird? No, I'm just big. I'm Big Ed. <laughs> people have called me that, but, <laughs> but my, Big Bird. My name is Ed. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's been known. My my official name is Edward. So I'd rather you did just <laughs> call me call me that. Thank you. Um. I'm just I'm just transported back to sharing a dressing room with you now, and I remember how much of a laugh we had. I don't know what it is. There's a particular flavour of <laughs> comedy that we seem to get between us. Yeah, I, don't know. I mean, as as you described, I live, listened back today to um, the podcast you did with you in Summers. Oh yeah, because um, you got a good old mention. Because I got a, well, I got mention. Um, so you listen to it what every day or? I, after I first heard it, it was every day for a while. And then I had yeah, to sort and of everyone wean. knew that came to visit you. Wasn't coming here to yeah. listen to this. People in the street. I didn't. I didn't put headphones in. I would just walk down the street playing <laughs> loudly from a boombox <laughs> on repeat. Um, where I believe you described me as either either dry or dark. Um, yeah. You like you, toast, like burnt toast. Yes. And you responded that I had a heart of gold, and you and you made a noise like, "Well, he's <laughs> <laughs> funny. I'll leave it at that." <laughs> Um, I stand by all that. Oh, but I would like to set the record straight because Ewan also says in that um, podcast that every night in Serrano he got a tea cake to the face. Right. When in actual fact, every night of Serrano he shoved a tea cake into my face. Well, that's a whole different story. It's the opposite story. It really is the opposite. I was, I was shouting down my um, podcast. <laughs> yeah. When when I heard him say that. Because I wow. remember the sticky, the sticky sensation. Yeah, I once had to get a custard pie to the face in a panto, and then um, for some reason they wouldn't get the the right stuff, so they used shaving foam oh. as the custard pie, and it was it used to go in my eyes every night. Oh. It was horrible. Oh man, you must have been so excited at the idea of the custard pie as well. Yeah, I was like, oh cool, it's a classic thing. A little mid show meal. What? <laughs> That's something. You know, I like sweets yeah, the, in I any know, format. Yeah, the the Brian <clears throat> the Brian Stanislavski method of acting: <laughs> make sure before every show you have a pork pie and a can of Monster. <laughs> It'll just really get the juices flowing. You know that that creates. You know what's so funny? I was just thinking there when you said about the custard pie. I was like, I'm getting hungry, and then I was like, oh, I've got many pork pies in of the fridge. Of course you do. Of course you so do. So once we're done recording, I'll go and have a pork pie. Yeah. You know what? So why, Brian? Look, let's do it. And also, if I'm if I can't perform, I might as well keep to the diet of performance. Exactly. You know. And also, I I, I mean, I say have it now, and and we'll have a sort of ASMR oh. of Brian eating a pork pie. Oh, a whole new wing to the podcast that I would just be disgusted by <laughs> ASMR. No, it's not for me. No. Do you like ASMR? To be honest, I've never. I mean, never say never, but I've never really given it a chance. I don't think. Yeah, but you're aware of it. I'm aware of it. I don't. I can't think of anything that I would like to listen to. I mean, for me, music does it anyway. Yes. They say that there's a tingling on the top of your head that you're supposed to get from ASMR if you're into it. Oh. Um, And I actually, because I've been shaving my head 
when I hear music that I really like, I can actually feel the tingling on the top of my head. Oh, that's cool. So I'm like, okay, so I now understand what that sensation is supposed to be, and I definitely don't get it from ASMR, but I know that it exists. I don't know. I don't. I can't remember ever having a tingly sensation on the top of my head. You've got a shaved head. I did. Right, well During then, you're dead inside. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's the only answer that I can, the only conclusion I could reach. <laughs> Thank you for the support, um, as, <laughs> as, as ever. <laughs> of course, yeah, and then nothing changes there. So what's been going on during lockdown? Have you coped? Um, yeah, uh, well, I mean, to, to varying degrees of success, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, I mean, I, I, I feel like for a, for a while, the, the life of an actor means that I've practiced doing nothing. Um, yeah, this is it, isn't it? Yeah. With my days, you know, so when it all kicked off, I was like, oh, okay, I know, I know what it's like to do nothing. And it's a constant battle of trying to stop your brain from being mad at you <laughs> for mm-hmm, doing yeah. nothing and, and take the pressure off the, the feeling that you have to create or you have to, you know, I used to get, that sensation all the time and, and which just blocks creativity um mm-hmm. and so i sort of at the start of all this you know made a vow to myself that i wouldn't beat myself up if i wasn't being productive and creative yeah and ended up writing a lot and writing a lot of music and um and and that that always helps keep me keep me sane and together and i've got very lovely people around me uh, so I so weirdly by taking the pressure off to to create you kind of end up doing stuff uh, yeah yeah in this case uh, yeah it, oddly enough it's been the most creative period but i think it's because i've had those sort of off periods of from acting when you're waiting mm-hmm. for the next job or whatever and and so i've spent some time with how how, how challenging that can be um yeah and so i was ready to i was sort of ready for it i think um we might be the best equipped to deal with it out of everybody yeah yeah but after a certain amount of time you kind of like wish you could even just go and see a play or something yeah have you watched stuff online yeah bits and bobs um because i've heard a lot of people say they just haven't you know like an amazing amount of people have said to me i've just disconnected from all of it i've not watched any online stuff i've not watched any nt live Mm -hmm. couldn't do it yeah i haven't done a ton of it to to be honest um Mm -hmm bits and bobs little things loads of people i know are making little things and putting them online you know um and that's that's lovely to see yeah i love martin quinn stuff yeah martin and and uh i got a friend vittorio and it's just people are just going sort of like straight to the consumer and stuff you know all this social media can let you do that yeah Uh, and so you get someone sort of (laughs) you know the absolute essence of what they're trying to to do or create uh i find that quite inspiring to to, to see happen around me and it's inspiring to me to just be like oh i'll just get stuff out there you know i've, I've been yeah. sitting on projects in my head for a long time that i'm now like oh well i'll just do it <laughs> yeah so you've released some music recently uh no well i've this this play i'm about to do um the off key is uh is a musical I've written, I've written oh, a musical. Oh, it's a musical. I thought it was an album I was seeing that you were putting oh, out. Oh, no, no. It's a, it's a play. Oh, right. Um, okay. That, uh, that is going to be on the 6th to the 10th of October at the White Bear in London. Um, really? 
Yeah. Wow. Yeah. In, in just a few weeks. Um, but it's. I, I've been writing songs for a few years. Well, my whole life, really. But um, I only started to like any of them a few years ago. When, <laughs> That's uh, a critical point to get to, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Well, I just started to not hate some. Oh, yeah. Um, of course, immediately yeah. Ha- not hate them uh, straight after writing them. So that was a good sign. But um, mm-hmm. it really began. I, I had a breakup a few years ago that was sort of an, an all-consuming thing mm-hmm. and um, I started to I wrote I wrote a song um, back then that I sort of made a pact with myself like I would never play to anybody and uh, it would just be a thing for me where I could just get my honest feelings of how I felt at the time out somehow yeah which were all very sort of angry and bitter Um the song was called "Fall Off the Edge of the World" for me, um, um, but so pretty um, clear. So pretty, pretty, pretty clear. Um, <laughs> but I, I think, and and it, and it sort of helped. And then a few months later, a friend of mine heard me playing it in my room, and, uh, and my my flatmate and came through and was like, "Oh, whatever this is, it's it's you know, it's the it's better than the other stuff you've done." <laughs> Um, <laughs> it's better than the other shit you play me. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that stuff that you think is good. But, yeah, it's, yeah. but it's because I took the pressure away of trying to make a good song. Um, yeah, of course. Yeah. Which is also sort of, you know, um, stops you doing that. And then, so then from that point on, I started to, when I'd sit down to write a song, I'd be like, what do I not want people to know? Like, what right. what are the things that are really hard for me to talk about or admit? you know about myself yep, yep. um and so i've essentially written uh, i mean it must be sort of 30 odd songs a sense uh a lot of them related to that breakup and some not um mm-hmm. and there was a i think there was a turning point like a year or two ago um where i i got so sick of the sound of my own not voice but 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 stance on it perspective mm-hmm. um that i started to write songs from her point of view from my ex's point of view uh, about okay. me um which which sort of led to to a, led me to a place of um you know i'm this might not be as sort of one-sided as it is in my head um, there's a chance. Yeah. There's a chance that this that I may have to take some responsibility here. <laughs> um, it's all part of growing up. <laughs> yeah, but but it but it but it led me to this sort of thing, which the off key is really about, which is the narratives that we spin for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they 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 begin with an event like a breakup or whatever, and. Um, and you start to tell the, the same story to yourself enough times and, and reinforce it with, with friends or, or or the music you listen to and you go, yeah, like this person is, knows what I'm going through, so I feel that way. and Which yep. can be good because it makes you feel less alone, but it, it can reinforce a narrative that might, that might be getting further and further from the truth of what really happened. I think so. I think every time you tell the story, you build a new version of the narrative. Exactly. Or a, a new version of the memory. Even. Yeah, yeah, completely. And and how much can you trust the thing that you've been telling yourself, you know? Mm-hmm. And so this, this play was sort of born out of that. I wanted to, to, to write something that 
the, the, is about what I learned from that experience, which is, you know, <clears throat> and me, me and my ex are in a really good place now. We're, we're very, we're friends. And, uh, mm-hmm. and for, for me, it came through sort of exploring, you know, the, 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 the two, the two sides to every story thing. Like what is the truth in the middle of that? You know, cause yeah. it's never one person's fault. It's, it's, it's nobody's fault. You know, it's just mm-hmm. things happen, but uh, hopefully what I won't do in the future is consume myself with, the negative things, the jealousy and the bitterness and the and the anger that that can just spin out and spin out. Um, of course, yeah. So it's a two-hander. It's a two-hander, play. yeah. Um, me and uh, Molly Glenn Whitehead, who is who's amazing, uh, have been rehearsing for the past few weeks, and yeah, there are I think ten or eleven songs or, or snippets of songs in what is a, a ninety-minute play. But but the the characters are both songwriters. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's it, it, the songs were all written over the past few years, but the play is a new creation uh, about two songwriters beginning a relationship, sort of post lockdown or, or mid lockdown. Right. I suppose the challenge there is to have the songs that come out of each character not seem to come from the same writer. Yeah, that is that difficult. Yeah, for sure, um, because there will be there will be similarities. Um, you know, in just the way my my mind works, but I, I've encouraged mm-hmm. Molly from the start to like, you know, get to know the songs as as I've written them as best as possible, and really yeah. dig into the idea that these thoughts came from from your mind, and then once that's there, like, have full freedom over the songs. So we've changed, you know, we've changed uh, the ones that her character's written around quite a bit already. Just yeah, to make them, yeah. just to give her the sort of ownership over, over them. Um, and are you directing? Y- yeah, but in insofar as like, there's no nobody, nobody else's. Um, but like, <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't a de facto director. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't a, a decision I really consciously made. Other than like, no. I can't really afford to to pay somebody to direct it. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, and so, yeah, uh, yes, I guess. But we're we're, we're working it out together. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I'll put it on my CV, I guess. <laughs> um, well, of course, yes. But it's really like, it's it's such a crazy time in this industry. Yeah. That when the opportunity to put this on came around at the White Bear, I tried to really focus on like, on just making the, the best thing I can make and not worrying about what, you know, things I might have previously worried about about oh how it looks to have written it and be in it and be directing it or like um yep. any of that sort of stuff or oh gosh like what could this lead to I must make sure that this person sees it or whatever right the, the pressure is kind of off because it's socially distanced inside the theatre so we can only have half capacity and it's you know who knows if anyone can can get out and come to the theatre so it's it's kind of freeing in that way because I'm like well, I'm just gonna make something that 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 matters to me, and that, that you know, I hope people mm-hmm. can. So it's like art for art's sake again. It start. It feels something like that. Yeah, I'm trying to. Yeah. I'm trying to keep my mentality in that place. And what's the concern, or what was the concern about? You know, how will this look that I've written it and directed it in a minute and all that stuff previously? Well, I think uh, you know I've been writing with with uh, Santino and um, I've had other people direct things I've written and 
this I, I suppose I, I've, I've always had this general fear that people will think it's you know a very self-indulgent thing to do mm. um and and I suppose to tackle that I've made sure with this piece and, and with the other things I write that like it's about the, the the flaws in me it's about the mistakes I've made and and because nobody wants to see someone who writes something about how great they are yeah because what do you, what do you learn from that you know um and uh yeah and i'm just sort of at the stage now with this this crazy year where i'm like oh who cares what people think of it or, or think you know of me that don't know me or whatever you know mm-hmm. i, I want to make stuff that i can stand behind and that i can um i can really believe in and i want and i want to and i can create environments working environments that are more positive than than other ones i've been in and you know i can yeah. focus on 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 making it all the the best experience the sort of experience i'd want to have you know um and do you think we could come out of this stronger or better in terms of a of a creative industry i mean what's what's your feelings about us coming out of this time um i hope so i, I i've certainly got a lot of hope um yeah for for positive changes all over the place um i feel like that the, the for me anyway the past few years of being in this industry like or trying to get into this industry i suppose that's the very problem is that it becomes about trying to get into the industry yeah yeah this industry that we complain about all the time you know and Mm -hmm. the 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 sort of pause for self-reflection that this year has given us and has given me has taken me to a place of like yeah but why like why am i fighting so hard to get into this industry which where i have no control as an artist mm-hmm. you know you, you have to do a job to get another job to, to hopefully one day be doing the things you want to do and all, and uh, you know all people ever do is complain about the jobs they do even the people getting <laughs> yeah. the dream jobs that we all want you know um and i think that's taken me to a place of like well it's i want to tell stories that's that's what I want to do and, and yeah. think I am the, you know, can do. And that, and I suppose that's given my, the stuff I'm creating a freedom as well, because it's like you say, it's art for art's sake. It's the, I can focus on the, the story rather than how I'm going to look in it or, or if I'm good yeah. in it or, or anything, the stuff that used to obsess me Um what this can lead to and i think if there, if there's more of that, that that that's that's a good thing and i see it in other people around me you know making stuff that's like this is what i want to do and want to say and this is it you know directly um but it's like you say with the online stuff as well it's just unmediated it's just the idea here it is as soon as i had the idea and here i've filmed it and there you go yeah uh it's more direct isn't it straight from the 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 germ of the idea right to the completion absolutely it's a shorter journey because in the bigger scale that's that just takes so long yeah um to go from your one idea to your full production or something yeah and and but then i don't know about you but for me this time has made me because i've not been able to do any of those things that i normally value so highly it has made me question the value of them in the first place absolutely do you know what is it that makes me want to do this and if I'm if I am what I do, then when I'm not doing it, what I am I? And what's the big drive? You yeah. know, 
is it still as strong in you to, to keep doing it um it's 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 different um it, it feels sort of renewed but whether mm. the focus is in a different place because I've, I've felt the same you know the the because i wasn't really working as an actor much before this either um mm -hmm. i was just writing things and putting stuff on um and and so i suppose i'd been on a, on the way to to weighing up you know what it all how, how the value of it in my life and this has yeah for me i'm like well it's friends and family and the people it's the it's you know that's the important stuff um or just the the people i love and 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 so this is you know why do i really want to do this um yeah and so it's sort of renewed my, my passion to tell stories and yeah i think helpfully taken the drive of like must get into acting <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know has changed my focus to hopefully something that has similar results in the end is, is, is sharing the stories with more and more people but um <clears throat> but the focus has definitely shifted yeah and i think you make a really good point about the getting into the industry becoming a drive in and of itself yeah. which is strange really but we just got to that place didn't we mm. and now we kind of don't have that so much so you have to reassess when we don't have that there's there isn't anything to really try and get into so yeah. much anymore and and the problem with it as well is that as soon as you get a bit of it you mm -hmm. the you need more <laughs> you know yeah well it's it, never big enough anyway exactly it never stops and and i've seen that you know people at all different levels um yep. who are miserable mm -hmm. looking for the next thing or whatever you know that doesn't go away um but that's just being human as well isn't absolutely. it? absolutely absolutely that the next thing the next telly the next car the yeah next job. But i appreciate this 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 time and you know i've, I've been very fortunate and uh, people around me are, are healthy and and all that mm -hmm. but uh I've, I've i've certainly appreciated the time to to pause and and reflect on all all this stuff or the, and the path i was on and and you know yeah um, did i ever send you the video that i have of you dressed as a bear <laughs> in the winter's tale <laughs> 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 um, yes, I, I, I've, I, you must have. I don't have it, so I'm thinking I must have deleted it as soon as I watched it. <laughs> I think I showed you on my phone, and then you weren't very happy. And then <laughs> I never sent it to you because you were at the time kind of annoyed that you had to do it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I was. Remember, I used to say to you because you played uh, Florizel, didn't you? Yeah. But also dressed as the bear for the big shadow show of the bear, and and, yeah. and we were saying, you know, you get out to the bar and people say, "Oh, great! You were uh, you were the bear, weren't you?" Yeah, yeah. Didn't <laughs> didn't the notice clothes. the performance as Florizel, but I did. I no. did see that giant bear shadow you cast. Yeah, and there's no way that so was a projection. That was happening. The, the costume was just so hot, and I was like being oh. blasted from behind by lights um, to create the silhouette, <laughs> and you were in the corner filming me and giggling. <laughs> it was in the middle of the tech because the director's voice was going alright can you make your arms wider yeah. Yeah. and you were like obviously knackered yeah. stretching as far as you he could was going, more, more like a bear can you be more like a more bear <laughs> <laughs> can, you, can you turn your hands into claws in some way you know? it's not bear enough come on mate <laughs> you're not a scary oh, enough you bear you know raging yeah that was that a real was so what funny. am I doing moment <laughs> yeah you get those don't, I get them on every job though yeah wafting the 
wafting the gauze to make the storm. <laughs> you know, with a big board, and you're like, what am I, what am I doing? Yeah. <laughs> what did you do at work today, Brian? Well, Mum. <laughs> um, <laughs> and the other thing that I can't help but think about is the fact that you you had a horrible injury on that show. Oh yeah. Wasn't it on the press night or the night before? Press? It was. Um, I think we had previews Friday, Saturday, mm-hmm. and then press night was the Monday. Right. And on the Saturday night, um, I had, after the show, you know, um, gone out with some people and at some point impaled my foot on the um, on the gate mm. around Princess Street Gardens in Edinburgh. And are you an Alan Partridge fan? I I am. <laughs> right, so you couldn't ignore that. <laughs> no, I mean... When it pays me for on a spike. That video was sent to me by so many people. <laughs> <laughs> my family WhatsApp and stuff. Just my brother, just um, just endless. Just for right. eight, oh, I I just no one's that. mentioned that yeah, yet. All the time. Um, it never stops being funny, but <laughs> no, but it got of course cool. it doesn't. But yeah, I impaled my foot on a spike, <laughs> and there was like a lot of dancing wow. in the show, and like I had to lift people and stuff, and I was a bear. Um, and not to mention, <laughs> not to mention that I was a bear <laughs> at some point in this show. And I came uh. in, and I remember because I came in with I went to, I had to go to A and E and all this stuff. And yeah, you had a cane. I had a cane, yeah. And the and the the um, the doctor at A and E said to me, "You have to stay off it." And I said, "I'm doing a show tomorrow, and then for a, a couple months or whatever, like I, mm-hmm. I have to do the show. I don't have an understudy." And she was like, "We can only strongly suggest that you don't do that." Um, yeah. And I was, but my whole life, I was kind of waiting for a moment to say the show must go on, but um, I didn't <laughs> think it would be under s- such embarrassing circumstances. Please tell me you actually. I probably said those mumbled reports. it to my mum on the way out the door. Well, sure, <laughs> show sure. must go on, and she went, "Shut up, you foot spike idiot!" Um, <laughs> You've done enough damage. Keep your mouth yeah. shut. And then I came in. I came in the next day with a with a with a ready-made um, lie about how it happened. Um, being like on the Sunday uh, rather than the Saturday night. Um, okay, yeah, yeah. And I think I bumped into the director immediately with this cane, and he was like, "What have you done?" And uh, I, I was like, "It's fine. I don't really need the cane. I don't know why I have it." And <laughs> started dancing in front of him. Look, I'm fine. And uh, and told everyone the, the story of of how it happened on the Sunday. And then when we were alone in our dressing room, I remember you being like. The moment we were alone, you were like, this did not happen the way you said it happened. What was it you had said? I can't remember. I think I said I was just walking down the street on the Sunday in the afternoon. Just in a very normal way. And I jumped up on the the railing to do like a singing in the rain kind of thing, you know. And I'd pierce my foot on the spike. (laughs) When in reality, I think I was drunk and um, trying to be funny (laughs) Uh, the night before. Of but I didn't want to admit yeah, yeah. to it. When in reality, it's much funnier that it happened that way. <laughs> but I but luckily, I was fine. And you knew immediately. You were like, you were steaming, <laughs> weren't you? You fool. You idiot. I was like, I was I like please you. don't tell anyone, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> we also had some We had some sort of bets going on, didn't we, in that dressing room? We did. We had, we had a tallied mark thing yeah, of something. We had a tally of every time you would do an impression, you had a tally. You, you got, you got a, a mark. And, um, right, and it wasn't a good mark. That was a no, mark no, no. Against my name, yeah. It was to try and stop you doing impressions, um, <laughs> which you can never do. And you know what? I don't even know why I tried because I love, I love 
You love it. Rewatching the UK office through you, playing every part, <laughs> doing entire episodes on the train. Yeah, not a problem. Not a problem. I, I just turned to you, I'd be like, Brian, can I watch episode four now? <laughs> no one needs a portable DVD player, which was probably a thing at that time. <laughs> not when you've got Brian Stanislavski sat right next to you. <laughs> and I had what to were you not, trying not to do? I had to not sing songs from the show. Oh, God, um, I love you. Because there was that little song that um, Fiona sang at the very end mm-hmm. that I could not stop. I can't remember it. Hishiba. Hishiba. That was it. I've been trying to remember that for ages. Ruchmata is good too, though. I know. Well, I'm writing, uh, me and a friend of mine are writing a, a, a Highland horror film, like a, a, a horror film set in the Highlands. Mm. <laughs> well, it's um, just what it says in the tin, then, yeah. Absolutely what it says in the tin, called Clearances. Um, ah. And uh, we have been trying to remember these songs from when it was tail because there's nothing creepier than <laughs> than an old scottish um folk song of course yeah and uh and i've been trying to remember that one and i keep going which i don't which doesn't mean anything <laughs> but it, and of course it's hishiba of course it is because it's like hush little baby oh yeah I forgot there was a meaning to it. <laughs> you were just like, it's just Thailand <clears throat> nonsense. I just, <laughs> I just loved the tune. Dee, 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 an absolute dee, dee, banger. Dee, dee. Um, <laughs> that was a fun show. It was a fun time. It was fun. Yeah, meeting you was, was, the, was the absolute highlight, I must say, Brian. Oh, if I had a penny for every... I mean, I would have... Everyone who said that. A penny. <laughs> I would have a penny by as of today. <laughs> um, so, the Highland... The Highland horror which is a handy little alliteration as well it is i think it's the first time i've said it like that as well now do, do you mean like are we talking parody here or are we talking serious horror no it's like um uh my friend george george edwards who i'm writing with um we, we're just a big fan of like genre films mm-hmm. with with a bit of social commentary like get out or, or like yep. hereditary and midsummer th- these kind of things and um, and I feel like you see less of that in Britain. So we have we have a, a sort of plans for a a, a, a trilogy essentially um, of mm-hmm. of like different um, like the way that the Cornetto trilogy it's not it's not a linear story, but it, you know the um, Edgar Wright and Sean um, mm-hmm. Simon Pegg, not Sean um, of like genre films but told in a sort of modern um, way. So the, the clearances, for example, is like a sort of English uni students and one Scottish uh, who, who, who went to uni together and having like a reunion up in the Highlands, like an Airbnb or whatever, um, set modern day and uh, yeah, and then and, and things sort of go from there. Um, but, you know, there's there's comedy and stuff in it. Because it's mm-hmm. just people, you know, hanging around and stuff. Um, but uh, we just want to make sort of, sort of independent little British um, genre flicks. Little flicks. Um, little flicks. <clears throat> We've also good. there's a there's a part in that film that um, is the sort of part that the whole thing hinges around. And we've decided that if we can't get Peter Mullen, we're not going to make it. <laughs> okay. Um, no, just to let you know, because I could. Um, move it through things around. I mean, I mean, the thing about Peter Mullen and I is we are 
it, people don't realise we're in the same casting bracket, but we are. But you are, you're always bumping into him at auditions. Oh, uh, it's me it's and so Peter Mullen and uh, the other fella. And you people know? said you were too young for that part in Train Spotting, but I, I saw your audition for that, and it was yeah. And you know, I, I had the the uh, the primary school had let me have the days off to film it. I would have been fine. Yeah, and you knew drug dealing. <clears throat> <laughs> if there was that. one thing I knew about. <laughs> there was Scott. one thing little Brian O'Sullivan knew. As a twelve-year-old, you know, growing up and just up from Annie's Land Cross. Yeah. Um, I think yeah, that would have been the part for me. But no, I, I mean, I don't grudge him it. No, know? no, no. I We're mean, both good in our own ways. Totally. Well, you know, we'll absolutely. I'll I'll send you the script. We'll send okay. Peter the script. Um, or you could just pass it to him the next time you see him at an audition. And, um, <laughs> well, I mean, we're always in the waiting room together. I suppose whichever one of you is more passionate about the role, that will win through, you know. I suspect it'll be me. I suspect so too. Because I'm the one who's less busy. <laughs> <laughs> but if you do speak to him, do ask him if he'll come on my podcast, won't you? Absolutely. All the money collected was for both dances. <laughs> both excellent dances. I mean, similarly, when if you get him on the podcast, you just mention hand him, the script. Yeah, just mention mention. Send the script. him a PDF. Or, or hopefully it wouldn't, you know, I like it when the podcast is in person. I mean, this is all well and good, but it, it is, is frustrating. It does feel odd to be sitting on my bed talking to you. Yes. Um, but that's, that's friendship. Yeah. <laughs> What's yeah. London like now? Um, fine. I mean, sunny. But I mean, does it just feel like normal? Because it feels... From what we see up here, it feels like London has just gone back to normal almost. It's it started to feel that way for sure, mm-hmm. um, and then I think the past couple of weeks there's been a, a, a rise in, in trepidation. Um, yeah, but yeah, part, I mean, some things feel very back to normal. Um, some areas, and then some don't. Um, it's all very odd feels like we've got a, a new lockdown coming though doesn't it it certainly feels that way have you been home or have you been there the whole time uh i've been i was home for a week in uh, end of july when um it sort of felt then like this might be the only opportunity you know things were easing a little bit um so yeah i went up and, and just sort of saw my family for the week which was uh lovely oh um, bridge of weir eh bridge of weir what is Bridge of Weir? I mean, is it like... I, I have no idea. I've never been there. <laughs> I'm amazed you remember. Oh, yeah, I remember. I know someone else from there, too. Do you? Mm-hmm. Who's that? A stand-up comic called Chris Forbes. Oh, uh, I don't know. Um, I think we've probably had this conversation before. Probably, it sounds familiar. <laughs> um, uh, it's lovely, yes. It's a little village. It's a tiny little village. Um, in, in, in sort of Johnston Paisley... Um, right oh yeah it's way. down that way isn't it yeah. yeah um and you went from there to to you went to Guildhall, didn't you i went to Guildhall. yeah were you like what was that like when you first got there little little scottish fish in a big english pond yeah i mean i was i was six, 16 when i got in when i auditioned You're 16 and then 17 by the time we i started first year but uh, like my birthday's in june so i just turned 17 so they had my right. picture up in the student union saying don't serve to this guy for, for the whole the whole of first still year. there still there i think somebody somebody drew a little mustache on to try and throw them off the set i made friends ah. with somebody who worked behind the bar I, sh- <laughs> um, I shouldn't say that's incriminating isn't it um, that's terrible it was a lot man like 
I I was very ready for the course, I think, um, mm-hmm. and to and to uh, learn more about acting, this sort of thing that had become such a, a massive part of my life at that age, yeah. and then. But you know, nobody like we didn't think I was going to get in. You know, I, I auditioned for the RCS and for the Royal Welsh. I think they were the only two that allowed me to audition at that age, and I didn't get in to either um and then my last audition was for this guild hall in london which i knew nothing about um it was just the only one that let me audition although actually when i got there they they were like you shouldn't be here (laughs) um (laughs) you're too young and i sort of sprang into like no 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 the 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 scottish system is is different in such a way that i just tried to say scottish system a lot and hope they wouldn't know anything about the scottish system so what was the decision to start so early um, I I just I just wanted to just you kicked out of school. Be honest. No, no, I was doing, I was I was doing quite well in school. Um, mm-hmm. I just was. I, it was just the only thing I cared about. Um, I wasn't like a very popular person in school, and not like people didn't hate me or anything. I just wasn't like. I didn't have a ton of friends. There wasn't a lot sort of and I come from this quiet little village and went to school in the yeah. neighbouring village, you know. And I think I, I came to London, like, the the year before, the summer before with my family um, for, like, a week. And I remember walking about, like, this is awesome. Like, theatre <laughs> yeah. is everywhere. And there's yes. loads of people. And I'm not related to any of them. <laughs> um, <laughs> whereas in Bridge of Weir, like, you know... <laughs> oh, everybody's your uncle. Yeah. <laughs> Every, Sick of it. every second person's your uncle only because the one in between is your is your aunt um, <laughs> just by the law of average <laughs> yeah. um uh, uh, and i was and i was I, I just fell in love with it um yeah and but 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 i really didn't think i was gonna get in i mean i remember the look on my family's face when i told them <laughs> and they yeah. were you know just so shocked um my mum went into sort of hyper like, oh God, I thought I had another year to teach you <laughs> about life <laughs> and now you're leaving in two months. So that's why you're like this. This is why I'm like this. you missed out on a year I of your mum's teaching. a year of learning right. how to be uh, a, human. A, a human being who, who can <laughs> exist. It's all coming together now. What were your audition pieces? I often ask people this because I'm fascinated. Um, I did Hamlet. So did I. <laughs> Oh, which one? And I always laugh about it. I did, uh, I did uh, two, two solid flesh. I think. Ah, I did. Um, oh, what a rogue and peasant slave am I? No, that that's what I did. Hey. Rogue peasant slave am I? Keep going. Can you remember the rest? Uh, oh, what a rogue oh. and peasant slave am I? Is it not monstrous that this player here, but in a fiction, in a dream of passion, could force his soul so to his own conceit that from her working all his visage wand? Yep, yep. I did that. Yeah, I think I actually good god the whole thing. And I did, I did um, that for Rada. Oof! I never auditioned to Rada. Um, who knows what would have happened? Hey, who cares? See, that's the thing. <laughs> if you don't do it, you can say, "I would have got in if I never auditioned. I would have been a great artist if I'd ever had the set." Oh paint. yeah, I mean, w- when when I got the call from <clears throat> Girls Hall, I, I, it, it didn't cross my mind to, um, you know, to do anything except go there. Um, yeah, of course. It yeah, seemed yeah. so mad um and i did i did dennis kelly i did um a speech from osama the hero 
Oh, nice. Which is a guy sort of uh, threatening uh, somebody. Uh, and then I think uh, maybe I had something from Amadeus or something from The Seagull or something mm-hmm. as, my, as, as another one. Um, Did you have to sing? Oh, yes. And I was terrified of singing back then. This is also with the, the, the off-key, the play that's coming up, will mm-hmm. be the first time I've really sang in front of people my own songs. Um Wow. I, I used to be terrified of singing. I did a musical in high school, which I may have told you about. <clears throat> I did We Will Rock You, um, the schools <laughs> edition in high school. And I didn't want to do it at all um, yeah. because I thought it would be uh, social suicide. And um, my <laughs> For mom... what little cachet you had. Would exactly, you yeah. I, I was okay <laughs> being like ignored. I didn't want to be actively <laughs> despised. Yeah, um, Absolutely, it's a lot different. But yeah. my mom convinced me that it would be good for my CV. Um, so I auditioned and I couldn't sing a note like I was so anxious about singing that I couldn't they'd play a note and I could not I, I told right. it, just through know? sheer nerves just through sheer like a mental block wow. and um, and the and the drama teacher who was directing it wanted me to be the main guy because I was mm-hmm. confident as an actor and the music teacher really didn't want me to do it because I couldn't sing because the character is essentially the reincarnation of Freddie Mercury, who had you the best voice in the world. <laughs> um, yeah. And so they cast me, the director got, the, I suppose, the last say, mm-hmm. and I couldn't sing any of it. And I remember, like, in the shows, like, the audience would join in <clears throat> in the right just key. So they didn't have to hear of you. Of Bohemian Rhapsody. And I couldn't even get in key with the audience. They were singing it right back at me, and I could tell, but I just couldn't do anything about it. <laughs> And so, so then, you're obviously musical. This is confusing to me. You're not tone deaf. Well, no. Was it just the nerves? I, yeah. I mean, I wasn't really that musical then. I, I think... And then I remember when I went to Guildhall, I had to sing in my auditions, and it was horrifying for me. And, um, mm-hmm. and when I had my first singing class in the first week of Guildhall, I was like, I didn't know we had to sing here. <laughs> this is not what oh, I signed right. on to. Oh, no. Can I not, can I not do this? And uh, they they said, um, no, no, you, you, you have to do it. <laughs> and um, through that and through writing on my guitar and stuff, uh, so I played guitar for a long time, um, mm-hmm. I just sort of t- t- taught, you know, taught myself how to, how to understand it and how to do it and... Make it less scary, I suppose. Yeah. And, and it, my brain, if I see it as academic, it really helps. I used to see it as this, like unbelievable talent some people just had and i just didn't okay or something as opposed to something you can work on and practice yeah and and the, and, and just learn about musical notation and and um and uh it, it, my my brain likes to see it as a science like i find that easier to comprehend um mm. and uh and yeah and the, the, these songs are, are that i've been writing are <clears throat> as i said like very personal and very honest um uh and so i was always scared of <clears throat> sort of doing them playing them publicly to people but i've sort of played them at the ends of parties and things when everyone's like oh this guy needs to shut up you know and i'm like <laughs> hey do you want to hear a guitar? song about my ex he brought his own guitar <laughs> yeah, brought it from home um <laughs> do you write the songs down uh you know in terms of music um 
Sometimes, really, I, I, I usually start with, I write the music and the lyrics at, at the same time. Um, mm-hmm. So it's usually um, it's just in my head or sat down with the guitar. But then at some point mm-hmm. I'll, I'll write them down so I don't forget. Um, so you actually notate them? Yeah. It takes mm-hmm. me ages. <clears throat> um, yeah, that's not how I write. Me. That's just for... In case right I for the forget. record, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I've been I've been pitching this show to people as like, it you know, at the very least, you'll see me more scared than I've ever been, <laughs> and and that <laughs> that's was, worth coming. And to. That's what I could have a full on breakdown, you know, like like I don't know for sure, <laughs> um, but the stakes are high. The stakes are high, and that's what I thought with, with this opportunity to put on a show right now, when when nothing is really happening and and people aren't getting those opportunities. Um, yeah. I was like, well, I'm just going to do something that really scares me. Um, because, you know, I love to feel alive. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I'm going to sing my life um, in, front of you. in front of you. and it's Terrifying and highly embarrassing. Yeah. And, and not just my life, the bad bits. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the yeah. embarrassing parts, of course. Yeah. Yeah. So the off-key... Mm is on at the White Bear. Give us the dates again. It's the 6th to the 10th of October. It's 7.30. And being socially distanced, that will mean that it's um, limited tickets, of course. More limited than usual. 6th to the 10th of October at the White Bear, Mm -hmm. the off-key. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. And um, all the best with it. I might actually be in London at that time. Oh, it'd be wonderful. So if if at all possible, I will be there. At the very least, it will be a weird thing to watch. (laughs) <laughs> well as you know that's one of my favorite things to spend oh, time doing you you love we we both do we love to watch people just on that edge <laughs> on the edge is where i hang out wow. for sure i've set up i've set you. up a stall on the edge so <laughs> <laughs> Selling come, my come and peruse right my wares <laughs> <laughs> my life <laughs> oh i can't wait all right well all the best with it thanks, and buddy. uh let's speak soon yeah man absolutely thanks for having me Joyous, joyous to spend that time in the company of the wonderful Scott Mackey. And look out uh, at the White Bear uh, in London for his new production, which is The Off Key, and that's from the 6th to the 10th of October. So that's not far from now, and uh, socially distanced and uh, very well organised, and his writing is truly tremendous. I saw his, his last play in Glasgow, and it was just brilliant, a brilliant night out. Very funny, heartwarming clever just great all round just great so i can only imagine this is going to be every bit as good if not better i mean it's a musical which is exciting too it's a new uh, genre for him to get into so yeah look out for details of that make sure to to look him up on social media uh, and look out on the website of the white bear where uh, you'll get information on that play the off key 6th to the 10th of october at 7 30 so that's about all from me um it's time for me to go and have my dinner and uh, thank you very much for listening for 170 episodes and remember if you want to hear some of those other episodes they're in the archive just go wherever you've well wherever you've got this podcast that's where they are they're all free uh, and they're available whenever you would like to listen to them and if you have ideas about how you'd like the show to go in the future or if you just want to chat which some people do um you can give me a, a, an email brian at puttingittogethercast.com 
or you can just follow me on social media, PetCCPod, on Instagram and Twitter. And remember, puttingittogethercast.com is our website, and on there you can click the yellow donate button to support the show, and it's very much appreciated if you do. So that's all from me until next week. Cheerio now. <laughs>